on the recording so that we can share this conversation with everyone. Uh, Steve, I heard you show up. Um, Hi. I think think Luis or or Pesa, is that you? Who's on the phone right now? Steve. So that's it. I'm on the phone. Well, I know I'm on the phone as well. Oh, okay. That's you then. Yeah, yeah. Who's on? Raven Holder. Got it, got it. All right, that that answers my question then. Um, so let me just set this up. Uh, I have handed the presentation mode over to Luis Antion to walk us through this uh, this presentation that he's gathering to try and define for us, with us, uh, and with Holger these ideas of uh, the language that Holger uses is acquisition of business and the development of, of the proposal and I think that language really comes from uh, Alan Weiss. Um, I have I have to take a phone call at 9.15 today. It should be very brief, uh, but I wanted you all to know that so that when I hit the, uh, the mute button and step away from this that you won't wonder what's going on. Um, I've got nothing else to add at this point and so I want to turn it over to Luis Antion and uh, kind of pick up where we had already started in and and give him an opportunity to share his thoughts about uh, what does this look like. So, Luis, it's yours. All right. Uh, first of all, Holger, thanks for joining us. Uh, second, uh, we want this time, and most of it to be yours. Uh, this is just to share, uh, as I said before we began, uh, to, to see what your thoughts are on this. It's more of a blueprint on which we can build on and start producing the things that we need to, to, to implement a, a great pricing model uh, that is uh, value-based. That's the first one. So the second is, so I'm going to run through it. Uh, it's going to take us probably 10 minutes, 12, and, uh, and let's get going. Okay. The first, I'm happy the first to be part, here. Thanks okay, for inviting thank me to the first, the first, the first. Uh, uh, okay, the first idea here. You know what? Out of the business process map, you know, and that, uh, that we came up with in the part that at this point it's called the manager generation. Maybe you call it acquisition or whatever that is that involves three distinct steps. That's what we're going to focus on, and some of the activities that thread these two or three things together. All right, and it's a working process, but it's mostly focused on pricing. Uh, pricing strategy, value capturing, and having the right tools and models that will support that. All right. So, as I said, we want to validate some of these ideas and, and capture new ones and, and, and see where we're going with this. May I ask a question before you even go into depth? Yes. Go ahead. Um, the second second process step, the invitation meeting. Yes. It sounds like input, not output while proposal delivery is an output. I think it's a, it's a great point, Holger. I think that it's an event in which several things happen. Most of it, uh, I think we'll cover it, but, but I think it's a good point right now. But it's an event more than anything else. For me, just, just for Go me, ahead. why I was raising that one. For me, it, it needs to be clear what the output of this first meeting is. Excellent. And right. for me, the output of this meeting should be a conceptual agreement with the future client or the economical buyer of the client. Perfect. We're on the same page. Okay. So let's, let's let, all right, so you're going to see that in a second. And, and if you, 
anyway, let's move on. You, you'll see why I'm, I'm, I'm moving on right now in the next slide, but in the next slide, but, but, but here we go. I can keep my questions to the end and That's just good. let you proceed with your presentation, maybe. I think that'd be great, so we can keep it under 10, 12 minutes, and, and, and many of these things might answer themselves as we go through it, and some of those okay. we can tackle afterwards. So if you notice, we're, the, the, this title here, it says maximize, maximize, maximizing value capturing opportunities. It doesn't say pricing model, right? It says mm -hmm. building up to optimal proposal pricing, which tells you that there's a process that will get you closer to, to creating those and, and capturing them via pricing the end of proposals. Okay, so at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to skip, skip this, but the, the context here is what we do want, as we have discussed along the, the few meetings that we've had, is it's an adaptable way of creating these opportunities and having the opportunity to, to, to capture them as, as, as we produce these engagement uh, agreements that you were referring to via the, the, the proposals to potential clients, right, or prospect clients. Clients are those that we have worked with or not, but at the end of the day, any new work that we're going to propose to, it's a prospect. So, so the whole idea here is, is that in reality, when you think about those uh, thir first uh, three steps that, that lead to the demand generation and creating uh, those agreements and keeping a booking full, uh, pipeline, solid pipeline, uh, in reality, to, to, to be successful at capturing those opportunities, we need to identify them, right? And in order for us to do that, we need to keep to, to, to start and keep gathering information about the customer, processing that information, and deciding based on what we learn how to adapt our approach to, to selling that customer. Today in our world, you know, 90% of the customers are going to be retainer-style uh, customers, and that's what we do, but we want to change that mix whenever possible and, and, and start moving towards uh, a more uh, value-based approach, right? But again, you start by, by learning, researching, or doing whatever you want at the early stages of the customer, but most of that information is not necessarily tested or validated until you meet with them. So in reality, that, that, that everything will revolve around that meeting that you were talking about, right? How you prepare for it in the way in, what you do when you're in it, and how you take that information right after that point and turn it into a solid proposal that reflects those agreements that you made, as you said, a holder, but also introduces those creative concepts to start capturing value, all right? And uh, now, what are those activities, you know, that are around the meeting? If you look at, uh, at, this, at this next slide, you know, the whole idea is that before, well, we need to qualify the prospect plan, you know, and, and, and we discussed several ways of doing that, and we can take it to the next level. Even Wizard of Pesa sent some ideas yesterday as to how we could improve that. Uh, but at the end of the day, through that process, we're learning about our prospect. You know, we're learning whether or not is that prospect we can turn him into a hero or not uh, before we reach that meeting, right? The second piece relates to how do we scope the 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 client's needs, the true needs, both of the companies and of the buyer himself, right? And uh, and see whether or not we work with this person to lead him to whatever he's 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 not today, but wants to be in the in the near future, right? And at the end of the day, 
we summarize all of those things and design all the, the right proposals that can make us come to it together and, and succeed. At one, uh, having the right agreements, but that capture the most uh, value out of them. Right. So in general, that's the, that's the first step. So uh, these three activities. So how do you go about that? And let me give you an example. Okay, all of this is high level folder. We have, a, we have a preliminarily identified some of the traits, right, that, that can lead to that to qualify a customer. Some relate to the company itself, some to the relationship with a, the specific buyer or someone in the organization that we're dealing with that, that is introducing us and giving us the opportunity to engage and have that meeting. And third, you know, the specific engagement itself, what it means to us, right? So you can come up with something like this, right, for each one of those buckets. Right? But what's important is that you take that information, right? And for each one of those things, it creates some meaning around whether or not you can create value for this, for this customer. Right? This is even before you actually have the invitation meeting in which you're going to produce an agreement. This, this will help you prepare, right? As we'll see here, it will help you prepare the best possible way, have a game plan on the way in, right, to, 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 uh, improve your odds of, of getting to value options. Mm -hmm. Now, scoping the, 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 the prospects needs. And, and I want to underline the word needs here, okay? Because when we start talking needs and pains, that's where perception comes in, and perception around value, which is most important for, for producing these value options, starts developing and, and being identified and groomed and cultivated, right? So what does it look like? You know, the first on the way in that process, you know what, do we understand the customer needs? Do we know them? You know, does the customer know the, those needs in reality? Well, if he doesn't, is it easy to define to help him clear those? Well, if it's a yes, we'll help him and then move on, right? But if not, what else do we have to do that it's also a value capturing opportunity? Maybe you need to have a meeting with key people, you know, a, a work, some sort of a workshop that will help you determine those things. If you agree to that, you produce that workshop in which you have more opportunity of engaging and, and better getting a sense for where the comp company and, and, the and the buyer is, and then you identify those needs. Do we know them? Yes. And then the typical process follows through. But, I, but I, what I want to highlight, you know, that is important, you know, even as, as we move on from that first loop there into deliverables and activities, to create that baseline for retainers and then to add on the, the value fee base or, or whatever that is, is that it's a process that is that is fluid, you know, it floats, you know, and, and and that's where we learn about the prospect's value perception and what level he at and whether or not he's willing to pay or not for certain things, right? Willingness to pay can be assessed around that concept of value perception. So we can update whatever we have learned about the customer or the prospect or client, whatever we call them. You know, and, and update our uh, our information and, and therefore the approach as to how it is that we're going to sell this guy. And, uh, and I know you like processes, Holder, for what you did. Let me do something here quickly. And you can move on and you can have more details, you know, uh, once you produce the, 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 the proposal, what you do to, to make sure that is the right one. And, and if the, uh, the, the customer doesn't accept it, you go back and adjust and so on and so forth. But... That's still work in progress. So the whole idea of scoping, as I said before, is 
to to get the, to get to put our hands in the wrist of the of the client and make sure that we see the, feel the pulse and we better understand what's going on with him, right? And uh, and at the end of the day, see where he wants to get, and we we can guide him from point A to point B. And the third one, you know, is basically a the design of the, the proposals themselves. That's the third activity, and it happens after uh, the, the, the invitation made. Mm -hmm. As we go in, uh, originally we start, you know, if, if you think typically we have stayed in the retainer, in the retainer, uh, I would say, uh, row, right? But if we think about the different styles that a potential relationship or client can have, you know, yeah, that, maybe that's a transactional style, and not only have we promoted it, but kept it and, and anchored that customer there. There might There's a, the other uh, or the opposite of approach to, to working with customers, which is value-based, uh, which is customers that, that, that are willing to create value with you and share it and, and turn this into a business partnership rather than a transactional uh, commodity type event, right? But there's something in the middle, uh, and that is there are current customers that you have the potential to convert, right? As you develop trust, as you develop credibility, as you create more value, the customer accepts it, right? And his management style is such that, that, that he, will, he will be willing to explore a new scheme, right? So if you already have, have customers, you can still keep looking for new opportunities that you have and identify new engagements to gradually switch or, or from one type of uh, approach to the other, which is more profitable to us, right? So uh, having said that, the retainer fee is a classic one that we know. Hybrid, uh, this implies that there's a loop there in which we are assessing and evaluating current uh, clients and whether or not we can transition that uh, relationship. And the third one is value-based. But at the end of the day, all of these things and the proposals need to, need, need to have a, some sort of tools and and uh, informs that will support that and how we present things in a standard way, but allows us to, to at the same time, include some of the creativity that we were talking about yesterday. Audit sent something, and it's here. Here's an example of what the proposal could look like. Those are the, the elements. Sorry if it doesn't read too well. But the whole idea is... Me too, classes. Yeah, me too, man. So mm -hmm. uh, I just had it there to say, you know what, there are several things that, that we can and should be doing here, but that is that. So at this point, you know, trying to recap a little bit, we say, you know what, we need to build up so that when we reach to this point in which we're preparing proposals, we have gathered the right information first, first prior to, to engaging one-on-one -on -one with the customer. Second, is we, we, if we have a good game plan and we adjust and learn more through that engagement or, or meeting and, and, even, and keep fine-tuning that approach and, and, and determining whether or not we can have a value-based approach with this customer, that will lead to a proposal that can be looked at in three different ways. You know what, there's no way around it. Semex is Semex, it's transactional, we'll never change that. Retainer based. Still, then, is there any way that we can optimize value or, or revenue? Right? What, what variables can we control or data points can we control to, to, to maximize that? 
Second, you know, are any of these guys that we that, are, that we that we consider from the get-go or transactional, transitional, right? That we can start turning into that, and you can you can approach it that way. And third, value-based, and you can see a a, a decision-making process as, as to how you will uh, prepare the approaches based on on where they fall. Now, things that are on the drawing board, as I said, this is just a blueprint, but we, we first need to double-click on the pricing strategy itself, make sure that everybody is comfortable, that they agree to some of these concepts, and so we can produce a specific model, right? The second one, uh, uh, talking to Audi a little bit, we, we need to understand, better understand the process, you know, stream lane type of process uh, that allows us to see the stakeholders and the systems and tools that will support that at each step of the process. Sidebook to better understand the interdependencies, especially be between the handoffs of, of, the, of, the, of the different steps at high level that we saw there. And last but not least, you know, this is where I stop, uh, capture more from this meeting, you know, and, and incorporate change or whatever we have to do with it. So that's, that's basically it, guys. That's Very good, Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Holder. I'm going to, how, do, how do I give the transfer control back to you? Uh, I, I think Lottie may be in the call. I don't see him right now, Luis. Luis, okay. Yeah, he said he had a drop off. He said he had a drop off for a couple of minutes. Yeah, you're right. And what I'm seeing here is that I used 920. He was there five minutes ago. And uh, so as you were going through the presentation, Luis, I, I had a question. Um, and, you know, as I said, I have not been in the previous meeting, so I don't know if you guys have discussed this. But have you um, maybe come up with some characteristics of clients that, um, you know, as, uh, in the group, um, based on the collective experience, you know, what are the characteristics of those clients that normally prefer the retainer approach based compared to the value approach? Um, you know, like you said, there are some companies that are always going to be based, you know, on, on the retainer approach, uh, and some that are, you know, that we can start exploring either through the hybrid model or going into the value-based model. Um, but as a group, did, did, you know, did you guys discuss what are the normal characteristics of, of each client in this process, or I don't know how during your experience as a consultant in Europe, um, you know, is there anything, you know, some, some, um, I don't know, something in the conversation that triggers you to think about which one of the two models is normally, you know, um, more effective for one type of client? I'm on a different page here. Um, I've got a different question to that. First of all, what is your characteristics of this retainer fee? Is that hourly, ba uh, hourly based pricing? So... We you are you are charging twenty hundred dollar per day or whatever. The, the whole idea is to steer away. Or from was it, what is retainer business for you? Yeah, I think that uh, the the idea is to stay away from hourly, just because it, uh, that the objectives are not aligned, or the incentives are not aligned. You know, you're when you do hourly, you tend to want to stay longer and longer, and the guy wants you to finish as soon as possible, right? Uh, Correct. More, uh, there's an, there's a, uh, I would say, a, 
cost plus, right, in there. You know, with sort of what Ali's been doing with Caterpillar and some of the other customers that he's got today. Which so getting, just to, uh, go ahead. Just to understand, Luis, we're talking about basically, you know, the, the model, I think the price that, that Audi has been using, and I don't know, if, just, to, just to see if this is what you mean by retainer, ba retainer um, uh, base, it is a fixed price per day plus travel costs uh, with a minimum number of days per week. Is that, is that what we're talking about as a retainer model? At the, at the, end, of the, day, at the end of the day, that's it today. Great. Okay. Yes. Is that, is that clear? When I talk about retainer business, I talk about the client wants to have me um, around or wants to have access to me, and I open him a door uh, in allowing it to him and uh, charging him a certain fee per month or whatever. Um, you are right this, holder. this is not. This is not tied to hours, days, or uh, because as, as, far, as soon as you go there, you are back to the client is bringing you back to, okay, that means your hour is costing us $700. That's not acceptable. That uh, is not what I'm doing. And I'm also, this is uh, limiting very much your own revenues because if you sell yourself, on four retainer clients for one week a month, you're done. Holder, it, it, uh, if, it's, if, it's, if it's bound to, um, if it is bound to uh, personal um, attendance at the client sites. Mm -hmm. Look, Holder, I think that you're right on the money. Actually, a retainer is when you pay upfront you know, uh, the time of a consultant or, or a certain service to have it available to you as you need with certain uh, uh, certain restrictions, I would say. But it's upfront, right? And, and they pay you even before you provide the service in theory. Yes, and it's not, it, it's not even service-bound. Mm -hmm. It is Access. bound because you are a smart and a nice guy and the client wants to have you around in his company and provide value with your um, accessibility to, yes. his, to his workers, to himself. That is what I understand of retainer business. Therefore, I was struggling with, with um, the concept of having some clients on retainer only where the trust is low and having uh, other clients on value-based fees only where the trust is high already. Uh-huh. I guess that the, re the definition for retainer is not clear today, uh, but it, w it was trying to encaps encapsulate both the, the hourly based, even how he's got it today, and, and, yes. and, the, reta and the retainer definition that you just talked about. And right. once, once you are um, only starting this business, for the most of you, I can only, only advise not mixing those two fee types um, hourly based and value based uh, with each other. I was in a, in a consultancy where we uh, were charging an hourly hourly based fees um, for ages, and it was a tough job to switch those clients to value based fees. But at the end, we did value based fees only. 
So for me, it is, it's not a question whether the client likes it or not. That's the way we calculate our, our um, proposal. It is not based on the hours we spend. It's based on the results the client is getting. For, for, for me, the consultant needs to get away from the inputs. And your hours, your days, is your input. And this is restricting you very, and limiting you very much. I prefer the way where uh, we talk about results. And when I'm ready to achieve this result with, with being there for one day, it should be my benefit. And I mean, the client's benefit is there as well. It should not be bound to, okay, but therefore you need to be here one week a month, from starting from Monday morning, ending Friday afternoon. And the first people in the company are starting to look at the watches when you only show up fr um, Monday at lunchtime, because mm -hmm. you're traveling Monday morning, not Sunday night. And that is um, where I prefer having value-based fees from the very beginning. Yes, for those clients who are not familiar with this um, modeling of model of fees, they need to learn that there's benefit for them in that compared to um, paying by hour or paying by day, what, what, is, what is the most usual model, model I know for, for paying consultants. Yeah, Holger, I think that uh, if you, I don't know, can you see the slide that I have there with the test retainer hybrid and valuation? Is it, is it, is it still showing or not? Yeah, yes. it, yeah. It is, okay, still, yeah. it is still showing, and uh, my only point is I would not see them for different types of projects. I would see for a project, when a client is hiring you for uh, delivering a project for him, with him, okay. it is value-based. If the client is asking for unspecific um, opportunity to access you and your... your, your um, your values, then it is retainer. Then he can pay you upfront and he can pay you on a, a regular basis, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis or whatever. But talking about a project, my personal opinion is make it one of those. Don't have, um, don't have hourly pricing or day, pricing by day or call it input pricing um, as an option for the client to pick from. Mm -hmm. So, so it, 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 it's <laughs> for, from my point of view, it's a sign of weakness for the consultant. If you are not good, in, if you are not believing in your pricing model, you should not have me involved as your client to make a decision. Holger, I, I think that we are more or less on the on the same page. Uh, and let me yeah, just two things. I think that. That, that stays to if we go back more to the philosophical level of this thing, yeah, we all want to be value-based. The fact is that we already have some, uh, some current customers that are not value-based, and you might continue to have some. And what we're trying to, to have here in, the, in this model approach is a way to keep always finding a way to turn those into value-based. The whole idea that every, is that every new potential client you target it, 
as such and know that it's a value based or on his management style, behavior type of decision making or whatever, that you're close to knowing that he's a good target for value based, right? So that everything so, that you that you bring in falls there. But the so others you need to manage and try to, to, to transform or convert into, into value based. But I agree that that, that the concept that, uh, and that's why I meant the language or, or, or whatever, that you need to start and behave as if it was value-based only. And someone is trying to talk with that, so you can take it. Yeah, I, I want to I wanna insert a comment here, and, and Luis, if you would, can you go to the supporting materials and show that proposal structure that I sent to you, it looks like slide 18. Yep. And uh, the reason that I want to, to, to go to this slide is this is right out of um, uh, Alan Weiss's Million Dollar Consultant. And I think that this structure is what he actually uses to develop uh, the entire book, Value-Based Fees. And I think it is totally in alignment with what Holger is, is trying to explain to us. Uh, again, Holger is coming out of the Alan Weiss philosophies and his own experiences. And so for me, this might be a very simplified model that, that Holger is, is talking us into. Um, but, but what's really sticking out for me as I continue to explore uh, Weiss's philosophies is... And, and, and I've heard Holger say it. I, I actually, I can read it right out of the jacket of our new book. Um, ultimately, consultants, not clients, are the main cause of low consulting fees. And it's exactly what Holger is saying. We're, we're telling ourselves a story about different clients. And from Weiss's experience and Holger's experience, what, he, what they're trying to get us to realize is we show up and if we if we put our material and our proposal out in the right form, we don't have to worry about uh, where the client is coming from. If we truly understand the value that is present to the client, we can put a value-based fee in front of them and they will accept it. As long as we've done all the work we need to to help develop and have the same view of value that the client sees because mm -hmm. then whatever it is that we're putting in front of them, the client will look at the value that we've talked about in that initial conversation and they'll immediately say, well, if you're going to produce this much value for me, then I don't have any problems with what you're proposing to charge me. I think the slight difference, and, and I've gotten this from my conversation with Holger, was we're not showing up saying we're going to take 10% of whatever we produce that doesn't enter the conversation. We're showing up saying, this is, the, this is the price for my service, and this is the value that you've said we will, the value that is available to us. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring that value to you. This is what it's going to cost you for us to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll stop. And there and like, Go ahead. But can I ask, is it, so do you make, in, in that conversation, are you making... You're, you're disconnecting the value you believe you're going to create from them from the fee, right? So if you say, based on our conversation and our meeting, 
we believe that if we come in and do X, we'll create Y value for you, and the cost of that is going to be A. But you're not making it continuous, right? It's not a success rate. So how, do, so how do you measure, from the client perspective, how do I protect that you actually are going to create that value for me? Say you're going to, you, you represent you're going to create 20 million in value for me, but at the end of the day, I believe you've only created 10 million or nothing, or like the people you talk to in Seattle where somebody came in and didn't create any value for them. Steve, that was you? Yeah, this is me. Okay, I, I was. Nice I, I don't think I captured everything because um, the line was not clear all the time. But I think I see what you are, what you want to go to. Um, that is why you put objectives and deliverables with the customer pretty clear. So if we achieve those deliverables, then this project is creating to your company. A certain value. This is if we do it the other way around. So if you say, okay, if if I do this project, I promise you uh, to increase your revenues by one million. Who is measuring? How are you involved in this measuring process? So this is not a fee by success um, philosophy. This is really meaning uh, talking about okay. If this process, if this project is changing your business, uh, that will create a value, and we have talked to customers through this value, or the customers explained this value to us, of a certain amount of money. And now we say, when, how can you see that you achieved it? So which would be the deliverables we should have here on this project? And coming from that, we see a certain percentage of this um, of this value we are creating in the eyes of the client. This is what we are charging. And this is what he needs to buy in. That is what he ne where he needs to have trust. This is what the relationship needs to provide to you. I've, I've struggled with that approach myself especially after being in this consulting business 10 years, um, selling my days. I was struggling, and, and especially since the idea came from the States, from this famous Alan Weiss, who is for European um, understanding far too bold. Million Dollar Consulting was my very first book I read from him. Uh, but I must say it's working. And it's also working in Europe. I was never struggling with the client on um, how to set this percentage. And I also, and that is a different point to you, Luis, mm -hmm. I also charge a lot of the fee already with signing the um, contract, mm -hmm. not only after, after delivery. Mm -hmm. This is what the value of the project is. If we deliver the deliverables, that should bring this value to the customer. Therefore, I charge my own fee. And it's not depending on what the organization is doing afterwards and what else is having an impact for, to go back to this example, is having an impact on his revenues. 
because I cannot control that all. I can only control what's within the scope of the project. Mm -hmm. You know what? Was it clarifying, Steve, or did I miss a point in your um, question? I well, well, no, no you, I think you responded, but I, I'm, I'm still. I, I come from the. I'm trying to view it from the client perspective. So if I, I always if, do. If you, no, no, I understand. So if you tell me that you're going to create. Um, you know, 20, you know, twenty million in value, and I understand I'm the one that controls it, right? Um, I, I still, how do I control your failure to deliver value to me? You don't. You don't, and and it's uh, the one point I would phrase differently is not I'm presenting to the client that I'm providing twenty million of value. The client is explaining that to me. If we achieve his desired state, if we help him to get there, that would be a value for his company of 20 million. If you want to, say, if you want to, if you want to have it like that. And now the question is, what percentage of those, of, of those 20 millions would be good enough to cover for your work, delivering what? Uh, you agreed on deliverables for the project. Let me let me add something here, please. Um, going back to the million dollar consulting book, one point that Alan made was we have no control over the execution of a project unless they ask us to participate in executing the project. And and, and you can see that um, in the terms and conditions and the, uh, if we're still looking on Luis Antion's screen, there is the methodology, option one, create and deploy, option two, execute and oversight, option three, longevity and trusted advisor, and then the next one, timing, it's going to take me 45 days to create and deploy, which means I will give you a plan that you execute. The next one says execute an oversight means, okay, 75 days, I'll give you a plan that you can execute and I will oversee that execution. And then the third option is, oh, and by the way, when you need me to be around after that to continue to coach this team, I'll be available to you for the next 180 days. And now we shift to the next page and it says, okay, these are the options that you can choose from. The fee for the first option is 380000 Now, let me add one piece. In this example, Weiss said the client identified $4 million of value if we achieve the objectives that he explained. So what he's doing in this example is he's kind of walking us through the initial conversation, uncovering the value to the client through the client's own words, and then what he's saying is, I'll, I'll give you a solution and you can execute it, or I'll give you a solution and you can ask me to help you execute it, or I'll give you an, a solution, I'll help you execute it, and then I'll be there for you, access, as Holger pointed out earlier, and it'll cost you this much. And so the reason that Weiss says we can't guarantee the execution because we don't have the authority in the organization to hold the team to that level of accountability and execution. 
they've got to do that themselves. And that's true of any of us, whether we're doing a value-based fee or we're doing an hourly fee. Those conditions that we face don't change. Mm-hmm. Holger, have I screwed anything up? No. No, perfectly summarized. Uh, so, Holger, based on your experience from what you said a little while ago, clients. Steve, we lost you for a moment. Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you hear me? Experience, um, you have not had any, you have not had clients uh, at this concept and, and, and it's been a successful model. You're still breaking up a little, Steve. I'm not sure the question came through clearly. Okay, sorry. Is that, can you hear me better now? It's still fading in and out. Okay. Um, right. I, um, can you hear me now? I think so. Hello? <laughs> you know what? I'll back in. All right, give that a try, and, and we'll we'll shift to Luis Avion's question. Luis, you got something on your mind? Throw it out there. Uh, yeah, more than a question is it, it, it's a statement here. Uh, look, uh, let me see if I can show this for a second. What, what, what we're showing right now on the on the on the screen. Let's see. Well, we can use this too. It's a deep dive of the second to last uh, step in this process, right, which is the proposal development. And I definitely agree that, that all of them should follow this, this proposal approach that, that is designed to, to actually approach the customer from the value capturing perspective or the value-based approach, right? What, what we had on the presentation was at a higher level, meaning, meaning a let me go back to, to, to the other one, meaning this uh, Audi and, and the rest of the folks. <clears throat> Is this, no, matter what, uh, no matter what I do, I still have three types of people, customers that, that I'm dealing with, right? And you can put names to them. Uh, and you can still use the same template, right, that is designed to help you design a proposal that captures the most value. But you might you might want to approach how you fill in that template or that uh, that that format differently if you know you're dealing with Semex versus if you know what you're dealing with Summit materials today for a renegotiation of the contract just based on comments that you've made, uh, Audi, right? Um, but at the end of the day, you have those three types of profiles that you have to deal with. And, and to better prepare yourself for that, you need to keep gathering information, you know, from, from the very beginning, right? To, so that when you lead to, uh, when you get to the point that you're filling out that, uh, and how you feel it, you have, the, you have maximized the, the, the chances and the possibilities of, of, of having them fill the, 
always choose the third option that captures the most value within that template. I don't know if that makes sense. So if I were to look at a hierarchy of how you develop the presentation, it's a double click on, on, on this part, right? Which is, yeah, now I have these guys. I'm going to fill out the, the, the form. How can I optimize what I'm getting from this guy? You know, this guy has a potential, like in some materials, for me to transition him into, into the value-based scheme. But any, any new customer that I have, I will always approach it, you know, as if it was a value-based and filling out this, and you use the same template. That doesn't change, right? It's just a tool to support how you deliver that presentation to maximize a value capturing. But what I'm trying to, to build up from the, from the get-go with this, guys, is, is, is the fact that when you then generate the demand, you need to approach the whole process, like Holger was saying, right, from the value-based approach mindset and gather the information along the way, even who am I going to prospect that leads to more value-based relationships, therefore more, more value-based uh, uh, agreements. So it comes from the very top at this level. Then you say, what are the activities around that meeting that can help me gather that information? Knowing who am I going to be dealing with, how do, we, how do I, what information do I need to capture to better fill out this, this template? I'm I don't know if that makes sense or not, or it's too convoluted, but... but uh, I'm going to let Holger share his thinking at this point. I'm, I do agree. It's about the process to gather the information to, to fill this template. That is what I call, um, and again, um, having embraced this, this model of, of Alan Weiss, conceptual agreement, that should be the output of the very first invitation meeting. Um, and it should fill all those top-level uh, information for you. Mm -hmm. um, I can see that you have actual commitments with clients which are paying you by hour or by day. Mm -hmm. So those actual commitments you won't change. But what I will challenge you is, um, if this client is asking you for a follow-up project, why would you stay with that? I, for me, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a part of, uh, of, the, of, the, um, of the proposal process. For me, it's a part of, I have existing clients. They're used to paying me by hour, by day, by week, whatever. And I have new clients. The new clients, they are no issue. I'm presenting them a value-based fee proposal, and they accept it or they don't. If they are not ready to accept a value-based approach in our, one of our projects, we are working together, I have certain arguments to convince them and to build trust for this model. If I talk to the old clients, it's before I talk about a new project, I will inform them that my fee model has changed recently because I was learning that those hourly-based fees 
are not fair because of exactly what you said before. There are contrary goals in that. The client wants me to be out of the business as soon as possible and wants to have the result as soon as possible. But my personal goal is to get as much money as I can out of it. So I'm throwing hours and days on this client. And if I have more partners to come in, I even want to have more people involved. And the client is afraid of uh, losing control of the costs. There's a big benefit for, for the client in this value-based fee model. Uh, he can control the cost of the project from day one on. There's no additional fee coming, uh, coming on to him. Nothing happens, no matter what you say. If you say, hey, and I've got um, Odi, he's expert in this special area. I want Odi to be part of this project for, for, for some input here. Uh, you can involve him. You don't, you don't charge him extra money. That's all covered in your value-based fee already. And that's what you thought about uh, during your proposal process. For sure, you have talked to Odi before, <coughs> telling him, hey, Odi, in this project, <coughs> I will need you. But now I'm, I'm distracting myself. So go back to, to, to the point. To those old clients, my first explanation will be our, um, the model of, of charging has changed. And introduce it to them. And with the very, with the very next pro, uh, project, <coughs> I will ask them to join this model. And I don't give them the opportunity to choose between those payment models. The only option they have in terms of payment, do you want to save some certain percentage and pay me up front completely, or do you want to pay 50% up front and 50% after a certain amount of time? That is where they have, 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 have an option to choose on um, their model. So this, this mix-up is only there for a time where you have existing clients with existing commitments. It's gone for your process. And if you are not, um, con if you think you have clients in the world, there are companies who are more likely to choose this model and companies who are more likely to choose that model. That is um, the question is coming up to me is, did you sell this model of value-based fees to yourself already. And that is one of the most important things I learned by, by, by Alan when I started to switch all my clients. It was <coughs> the first sell is always to yourself. Absolutely. It's once you change this model. In, it, it's with every proposal. If you are not comfortable with presenting this client for this 20 million $20 million business uh, value uh, Steve was talking about earlier. If you are not ready to charge him $2 million for that one, then don't go there. Go in front of a mirror and sell it to yourself. Talk to your partners and, and make them comfortable with that. Make yourself comfortable. Only a comfortable person can go present it to the client. The client might fall off his chair, but you can help him out. <laughs> And there's always a cheaper, there's always a cheaper option in your in your um, proposal, which you can choose. Oh, that is too expensive for you. So what did I, did I get wrong? Didn't I hear you say it's twenty? The value for the company is twenty million. 
Can you do it yourself, or do you need me for doing that? So if it's if it's me joining you, why shouldn't I have only 10% of it? I'm not asking for 20, 20, 20 or 50%. I'm only asking for 10. And I think it's a fair thing. And that is are you are you? Yes, sorry, shoot on Steve. I'm sorry. No, are you throwing? Are, is the ten percent just on my example, or do you use that sort of as your benchmark in general? No, it's, it, I'm not working with general benchmarks. It okay. is always or sure depending on the client. I mean, value creation of twenty million. Uh, it it requires some some size of a client that he can do that. Right. No, I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Thank you. But, but if, uh, I give you an example. If I talk to a client and provide a project um, or some help in, in his uh, changing his organization, and he's not having this 20 million price tag on that, I'm not doing that pro, that pro bono. I'm still ready to charge even if he's coming up with some ideas of ex giving me an explanation, oh, there might be a direct um, value of 500,000 in it. I still might ask him for 300 because mm -hmm. the key, key, key value of this project is not the direct value provided to the company, but the change to his organization. So there's no rule of thumbs where I say I'm, I'm always charging 10%. This is only an argument I used uh, in front of Louis now to, where I want to, to tell you um, those bold numbers. I don't know whether 2 million are bold for you. If it's if it's not, take ten. Uh, the point, my point was, you need to buy it yourself. What you want to sell to your customer, and if you want to if you want to go forward and move forward with value based fees, all your partners need to be bought in. If you are going out to those clients, and those feeling more comfortable with um, fee by hour, fee by day. They will always find a reason to see, oh, this was a customer, he was more comfortable with that sort of, of, of fees. And that is what I was warning you of. I would, I would, if you don't agree to this uh, value-based fees, go away from it. Go out and, 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 and agree on a, a certain hourly rate you want to you, you achieve, and then go and sell, sell your days out there. So I'm, I'm not I'm not um, trying to convince you of value-based fees. My only point is, if you want to go there, don't have those options in, in terms of um, fee models or pay mo payment models. It's not payment. It's what what what, what would be the right um, um, English phrase or American phrase for that one? Is it fee model? Uh, hourly. No, he's he's talking about the general, uh, the general structure of how you define the price. A fee model is 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 one. Pricing model is one. Pricing model, yes. <coughs> Thank you, Uri. Welcome. <coughs> so, can I summarize? Uh, um, so, so you said. Uh, I, you said some really interesting things, and I and I thank you for that. 
um, tremendously. I think the most important thing you said um, is one of the simplest things, which is, if I'm hearing you correct, that what we need to do if we're going to sell this as a proposition is we all need to stand in front of a mirror and say, I'm really good. I'm bringing real value to the clients. I can go out and sell this proposition because if the client's not willing to pay me on this basis, then I should go find another client who will because they are out there. Yes. And if, if I, if I, Absolutely. And so I, I, and I think, you know, one of the issues um, for, for some of us who have not consulted but have been on the client side is um, sort of some of our experiences we've had with consultants over the years, which raises a, a certain flag for us. And we've spent a lot of time talking about that. Um, and the other is just the, I think, our, you know, confidence you know, you and Audie have been out um, doing this for a long time and have a tremendous sense of confidence in yourselves in terms of the value you bring to the table. Um, you know, those of us who are newer to, the, to that, to doing this, believe we have tremendous amount of value, but there is that issue of, wow, you know, is, it re are we really, is that value really worth X amount of dollars? So I think you've really put your finger on a, an important issue, which becomes a, a psychological issue more than anything else, really. Yes, two, two, and two things, I, Steve, thank you for, for summarizing it that way. Two things I can see in your, the first thing, this psychological thing, feeling comfortable with the fee you are asking for. Mm -hmm. This is a very big benefit of being a group, as you are is because you can discuss those proposals with each other before you bring them in front of the, of the client. Am I too bold when, if I'm asking for two million? Or am I too weak if I'm only asking for 100,000 for that project? Mm -hmm. This is what, what you can discuss before you, do, because you, you can't discuss it with a customer. You need to be there with a number and you, you need to be ready um, to, to protect this number once you go there. Right. And right. this is, um, yes, and self-esteem is a very important piece for every consultant in the negotiation process. And my second point is, isn't it great that the most of you have this experience with consultants from the other side, that there are some flags rising already? This is perfect because you can jump on those things uh, and, and foreseeing that and showing the, customer, the client that you are not one of those. That is what you, where you're differentiating. Um, the consultant who is talking about value-based fees is not a supplier and not delivering um, 15, 15 consultants a month who are there in your company and you need, need to give them room. I deliver some value to your business and do it together with you because I can't do it myself. Mm -hmm. That's a critical. I, that's critical. Yeah. Absolutely, and and I'm and uh, I've been there also. I've been six years now with Cat, seeing these things from the other side. And I was involved in a big negotiation with one one of the big consultants on the SAP side, that helped me a lot being on the consultant side, uh, having having been on the consultant side before, and all of you 
should utilize this knowledge, this experience being on the other side, having been in consulting projects, uh, showing consultants that you can do, do things different. And those fears, those flags you were talking about, uh, you are aware of and you don't want to go there. Right. That is providing those consult, uh, those, 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 those buyers and, and these economic buyers are in the same, uh, same situation as you are. They I've might be in your shoes. And they need to build some trust. And what, what can be more trust building than understanding them? Understanding right. their concerns and being prepared for, uh, to avoid those. Very important. Yep, that's really that's a really brilliant. Yep. I don't need the mirror now. You just you just got me there. Perfect. You created a value. Hope so. Here's the thought that 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 surfaces for me from this last segment of conversation. In Miami, we all complained about experiences with the big houses coming in, evaluating our our business problems, and mirroring back what we already knew without really providing a solution, but just saying, here's what your problem is, and, and getting paid a lot of money for that, and getting paid a lot of money for that over and over and over again and when I connect that that complaint from I think it was pretty much unanimous across the group in Miami to exactly what Holger, Holger just shared with us I think that is a huge leverage point where we're not just going to come in and mirror back to you what you already know and say when you fix that problem your problem will go away which is worthless but we're going to actually share from our own experiences how to then execute that plan. It's the roadmap, and I think that's, I don't know, in, in, uh, in the methodology segment on option one, create and deploy. For me, the deployment says, and here is the solution that you need to execute, which is what I never got from the big houses when I was at Caterpillar and John Deere. It was always, here, let me validate for you the problem you have. Okay, what do I do about it? Well, that's not why we're here. We're just here to validate your problem. Well, then, why did I pay you? I mean, that's that's the the experience that I that I have been through that comes to my mind as I listen to Holger say, "Well, then step into your client's shoes in this conversation and give them that sense of confidence that I'm not here to look like that for you. I'm here to look like something else." Yeah. Absolutely. And if you see the amount of money those big companies are spending on those, and let me use this phrase, useless consultants, because not providing any value, then there's a lot of money in those, in those companies you can ask for if you really provide some value. And I'm not asking to be too bold. I mean, uh, I've, I've, if I get it right, um, for, for example, Six Sigma training, 
is also one of the products you are going to, to sell to, to clients, is that correct? Or you're offering? I would say yes. yes. <clears throat> if, that's, if that's the point, uh, there is a value you create with the Six Sigma training. And it's, it's on the market because now you're comparable in a comparable product. If the market is charging 10,000 bucks for a Six Sigma black belt, you can be very bold and, and ask for 20,000, but there need to be really additional value on that. If, if you are good enough to, to sell that your black belt is much more of much more value than the regular black belt on the market, then you can do ask this bold question. But usually you will be somewhere in the market range with that product and sell it on that price. That is where the value is very clear. The interesting piece is where you create the value um, proposal together with the, the client, that he is delivering for you what this change does to his business. I've got one, one more question since we were, uh, were walking through the process charts also, Louis. Can you reopen the one with, um, there was a group of process steps calling the work in the middle? That one? No, not that one. I think it was more high level. Oh, is, that, is that that one or not? No. Um, can you? And then it's this one, but uh, it's, it's, it's this one, but uh, it's the one that you saw at the very beginning, the first slide, but done in Visio. It's a, uh, it's uh, the, the prospecting and marketing is step is. Now that's the, go no? one deeper, please. Uh, one below. This one? No, uh, page fifteen. Page fifteen. Yeah, here we are. That okay. was the one I was looking for. So you have the okay. needs, the work, the resources. Where is the work taking place in your process? The work, where is it taking place? Yes. Is it part of the first meeting with the client or is it part of your homework? No, this is actually uh, uh, during, the, during the, the, the client when you're scoping those needs. Once you actually meet with them and have that scoping meeting to understand needs and things, Right. Perfect. Uh, and what it does is just the purpose for this slide is to highlight the importance of making sure that you know and understand those needs and those pains, because based on that you can better understand the prospects' value perception, right, for that project. And yep. once you understand those, turn those into measurable deliverables and what it takes to get it done, right? Mm -hmm. You take that information. Right, you translate that into resources and create, and I don't want to do that, and create those options uh, using all the information gathered from this meeting, right? Perfect. Understand. That, that was just one thing I wanted to clarify because it was unclear to me um, until now. Perfect. The other Thanks thing for is, yeah, the other thing is that once you get there, right, uh, most of that information that we'll feel that will help us fill that proposal, independent 
independent on the on the client style or type happens in that meeting right yes that is your that is your homework you need to do that up front up front the meeting and during the meeting and uh, writing these things together into a proposal is only the smallest part of it yes the biggest part there is for your homework the biggest part is really to identify a good price and prepare yourself for selling it to the client one more question um, can you go for the three steps for the slide the three steps very highlights uh, the very high level slide yes that one um, qualify the prospect client I heard you say you were talking about a buyer who is our hero so most important thing before before meeting is to my experience and I failed in many of those making sure that the right person is in there mm -hmm. that's the one you are talking to the one you attracted for example during your speech on a conference is really the one who is signing the check at the end of the day absolutely because if that one is not in the meeting you are wasting time at the client and you might get a totally different perspective if you involve this person otherwise you're wasting time yeah that, that's for, for me that is one of the most important pieces having this this um, conceptual agreement meeting set up you need to be sure that the real buyer is involved there mm -hmm. and you need to spend some time in preparation that you identify him and if you might just ask uh, so what I did in the past is I really asked him who is signing oh it's me that's the best answer the weak <laughs> answer is the weak answer is oh this is the council here in our company I've never seen the council signing a contract it was always a person and if I'm talking to a council I'm not ready I will I've, so much the probability of, of, of failing is pretty high and the worst thing is oh it's my boss but my boss asked me to uh, talk to you first this is the role of a gatekeeper and the gatekeeper need to be bypassed before the meeting so don't um, I, my, my only advice is don't go for gatekeeper meetings even if they feel good mm -hmm. because those those people feel important on that way but it's your time is limited mm -hmm. that should from my point of view that need to be cl clear for everybody who is joining this um, acquisition process let me show you something here, uh, Holger. I'm going to click on that, on that, uh, qualify the prospect Could, line here. Can I, can I ask you a question? Does, was, um, so in, in that case where you don't believe that person's going to be uh, sitting at the table, do you just have individ, an individual getting you to the table? I mean, you're not saying don't pursue it with anybody but the decision maker, right? Yes, that's that's what I heard when when Louis was presenting it. And if there's, a, I don't know whether I got you 
understood you correct, Steve. Um, I would not bully a person asking him to bring a senior to the table. There are other ways to convince him of that. And uh, the other thing is, uh, the, the most attractive thing work, working for me was uh, wasting both our times. Why don't you bring a boss to the discussion? Mm -hmm. You can stay in there. I'm not asking you to not come, but I'm asking you to bring your boss. And then we can, then we have the right person sitting at the table and can involve him. What is more frustrating than you talk with a, with a, with a um, project lead about what this project should be, then start some work in, and a week later you meet the sponsor, and the sponsor is telling you a total different picture of this project, and that is changing a lot of things you've already done. That is from from my Six Sigma point of view. I always was looking also in the Six Sigma world. I was um, I was ready to ask for the sponsor first, and would never start with with some teams before having talked uh, talked to the sponsor. And that is that is the economical buyer we are talking about here. And yeah. if the economic buyer is a, is, a, is a group. I'm ready to walk away if they don't identify a, a person who is ready to sign. Mm -hmm. Then it might be not mine. And I've been in projects which failed because of these councils and no clarity inside these councils. Did I get your point or did I miss it? No, you got it. Thank you. On, on so our side, Holger, uh, as, as we, you were saying, you know what, I don't know if you captured that or not. As, uh, this, is, this, this is a proposal that is work in progress uh, of things that we need to take a look at before we produce that meeting that you were talking about, right? So, yeah, there's an element there that says decision maker, right? And it, it assesses everything around the, the relationship and its maturity as well. If, you, if the signer not only... Not only is he the one with a pen and the one that can sign and authorize, but also is someone that we have worked with in the past. It can make a big difference as to how we approach the the, the invitation meeting, right? Yes. But, and and there it says decision maker, which is basically who's the signer, right? And by the way, all Correct. of this is Correct. all of this and is my just, point is my point is how do you make sure that the person who is telling you to be the decision maker that it really is. Exactly. So let me just do one thing here for, for that purpose. Let's assume that you analyze that, that segment there. You know, and at the end of the day, you know what? I, bet, I don't know the guy. We're just talking to you. It's going to be the first time. What does that mean facing the meeting for that specific trade? You know what? I won't have the meeting because the signer is not going to be there. It's just a, an important person. But the whole idea is at the end you get to a playbook or some sort of a game plan for, for that meeting. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I didn't want to criticize that, Luis. And, and um, if I'm too direct in, in uh, replying to do those things or, or pointing things out, uh, please don't take it personal. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to offend any of, of these slides here. These are great slides and it's a great approach. And I know this is a challenge. Once you build a partnership, um, to have people following the same approach and not having um, six, seven people being partners, 
but growing their own consultant business only. This is then the Faro Group is not visible any any longer. If 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 uh, and and uh, what you do, having a playbook and having a process for each and everybody to follow to to understand and learn is the perfect thing to start with. And if you have the time to do that, that's great. Holder, the first thing I want to say is thank you, man. Uh, the whole idea and purpose for, for, for this was to actually have you criticize and find things and how to improve and change and modify this. This is a first take of trying to, to do what you've been doing for ten, six to ten years. So, on the contrary, anything you see, please bring it on. Sure. Thank you for that. Yeah, this is, this is only for me, and I, I remember when I was um, in this Allen Weiss College for a week in London in some years ago. Um, that was an important point, and we were we were tackling that even with role plays, how to identify the buyer and how to make sure that the person I'm talking to really is the economic buyer or the decision maker. Because everybody who is approaching you in a conference, for sure, is an important person. You can't judge it from the from the from the um, from the card he's presenting to you. There might be vice president somehow, but but how important is a vice president in that that company you are talking to? Is that vice president really allowed? Does he have a budget for that one? And these are questions you can um, think through in the preparation of those meetings. And you can talk through without bullying, Steve, this, this certain person. Uh, but to come to the point, okay, you might not be the one who is making the decision. So let's identify the right person and bring it in. And then we are all good. And that is from my experience, an important step. And when I, when I, I was with, with that sometimes, I had some, I have based some meetings with people where I, during the meeting, found out, oh, that's not really the buyer, that was somebody um, bit bold and showing up being, being an economic buyer, but not being in this role. Sorry, Steve, I was interrupting you. No, no, I'm sorry. I, no, I interrupted you. What, what it, so when, when you encountered a situation where somebody said, look, I, you know, my boss wants me to vet the available people and come up with some good options, so I really I, I can't bring him to the table yet because it's my job to, to meet with you and decide if you're the right person for this. It's perfect. So let's the two of us meet with your boss up front of this meeting for only half an hour and talk to him. Get him involved. If he can't stand during the entire meeting, no problem, but let's meet with him face to face. Mm -hmm. I need to learn to know him. I don't hand over any proposal to a person I've never seen through a gatekeeper. I mean, that, that's the situation you're in then. You agree with the direct reports of this economic buyer? They tell you something what might be in, what might be correct, but might be incorrect as well. 
and you hand over proposal to this to this economic buyer afterwards and ask for two million, and he's not even understand what the value is, and he's not finding himself in your proposal. How should that work? Understand what I mean? Is it, mm -hmm. is it clear? Yeah, totally. So I always would, and yes, I've been there. I've, I've learned also, yeah, but my boss has no time for that. Okay, then let's find some time with your boss before we have this, before we have this discussion with his directs. And he can line out his, um, his most important pieces up front. Perfect. Mm -hmm. But then you, you can make sure in your proposal, this is covered in the, pro in the proposal, and if, if the meeting with his direct is going in a different direction, you can point on that and say, hey, but I, I understood your, your, your boss differently here. So where is the misunderstanding? Can we bring him into the discussion just for that point uh, right. to make sure that, that, that we are fully on the same page? That is already value creation in the in the most companies. I've seen many teams not really aligned on, and being on the same page on um, value and results desired, but active in projects. And that is where companies are wasting money. I've, I've, and, I've, and I can take it from the, from the inside. I've been in Caterpillar projects where the sponsors were not aligned, where the, where the sponsors were so important that they could not join any project meeting. And at the end of the project, they were somehow disappointed that uh, the results were what they are. But if they don't, right. if they don't provide, they don't participate at the beginning. Yes, and during the project, they need to make sure they, they need to provide leadership. And if those leaders are not doing that, and that's the same situation with the buyer. If the buyer is too important to to provide leadership, um, that might be the very first place you need to need to talk to, because you can have a project in his organization and failing miserably, because he's not really willing to do anything about it. And he's not even willing to provide the minimum of leadership to set up this project. Right. So pushing back, being bold, is not only, is this, it is psychologically, so you need to be ready for that. You need to have enough service team doing it. But it's a basic requirement for, for this consulting business. Got it. And I've, I've pushed back on, on bias, for sure, in a decent way, and having them saying thank you to me afterwards. <laughs> yeah, because they are not used to it. The bias we are talking of, those economical bias, they are lonely. And in, inside the organization, and you must have seen that also. I've, I've seen many people just nodding in front of, of their bosses because they were afraid of um, not getting the reputation they need to for the, net, for the, for the next levels. But those buyers need some strong feedback. 
and they need to have strong counterparts. And that is where you come in, and that is where you provide value uh, in, in the minute you're starting the conversation with them. Right. So, so let me share a thought with, with the group. I think your, your last comment, be bold, um, if, if I were to fill that out in a way that gave me comfort in being bold, I would say be bold in taking care of the client. Right, mm-hmm. because I think I think it can be misinterpreted. Be bold and pursue what you want. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying be bold in taking care of the client. Look for the way to maximize the value, whether the client sees it or not. We're there to be bold in taking care of the client. Yes, bold is bold is. When I'm talking about being mm-hmm. bold, I'm never talking about being the arrogant consultant we have all seen, who's always right, and knowing nothing when I'm talking about being bold is being ready to push back being strong enough and having enough self-esteem to stand up even if your economic buyer might be of a different opinion at the moment that is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about being bold and that is yes and I take your company in my best interest and that is why I'm standing up now and you can send me home if you if you don't like to have those persons around because then I'm the wrong consultant. That is another lesson I learned from Alan. Always be ready to walk away from the business. If you do everything to get it, you might make too many compromises on your way, which are keeping you away from providing value. Is Graven still there? I I am Holger. I'm taking it in. I think you have provided so much, so many insights that I'm taking, you know, notes as you speak to to understand the approach that we have to take. Thank you for that. I was just surprised not hearing anything of you. (laughs) You know what? I'm learning. (laughs) Holger, I have to say something. Audi Audi sent out this morning one of his. Uh, famous uh, notes or comments, right, uh, emails. And uh, the subject says, if it doesn't add value, don't say it. If you notice, we're all listening. And that tells you something. <laughs> yeah. Thank, I, thank I, you. I, I, saw this, I saw this email header push, uh, popping up on my screen as well, and I thought Audi was, was um, shooting me a private text, text message to <laughs> not say if I don't want to provide value. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, this is amazing. Hey guys, stop talking. <laughs> I I think we've been given to Graven's point. I think we've been given a great deal of of wonderful information and insight. Uh, I, I think where it feels to me, and, and maybe even from Graven's comment, I've taken a, a lot of notes as well. Um, I'm digesting a lot of what you said, and and I can feel my perspective shifting with regard to the invitation conversation, the the client exploration, trying to understand how to convert 
the client's problem into the client's value, meaning trying to understand what it means to the client and working from that, well, if this is the value that is available to you, this is what it would take for me to bring that value or to help you uh, realize that value. I, I think that's the foundation of even beginning to understand the value-based fee that would be attached to that work. But I can, I can feel a, a psychological shift in uh, my, my comfort in that conversation. All that to say, uh, we've we've covered the time that we had scheduled today. Um, I, I'm I'm almost overwhelmed with everything that was put in front of us, um, but it's been fantastic. Um, I'm looking for some closing conversations and to wrap this thing up. Not to say that we've finished, but to say we've come a long way. And I think before we can take another step, we probably need to figure out where we are and everything we've been exposed to today, um, and perhaps come back to this to continue to develop what's this look like. Um, and I, I'm going to kind of shift to Luis Antion because I see you as the the process owner in this space. Um, Steve, you're in there too with the whole uh, uh, Rainmaker client conversation. So between the two of you, I'm, I'm kind of looking for some feedback and for some ideas to just wrap this thing up. Uh, who wants to Well, I just, I went in, I'm standing in front of the mirror right now, so. Um, what do you see? The, I, I see a hell of a lot of value. <laughs> These gray hair. These these gray hairs have created a lot of value. Absolutely. Um, no, I it's I think this has been I, I I too have sort of a a swirling head at the moment. Um, I think you pushed my perspective into a very um, not challenging but but different space than where I was before. One that I think, to your point, is the place to be, and I think could really um, hyperfeed what we're doing in a very compelling way. So I, I think it's really hugely invaluable what you've laid out. I, I too have taken a bunch of notes, and, and uh, it's it's uh, I think part of the challenge is getting the whole group to align around this vision, which I. I think is a very compelling one, and I think that's what I'm hearing from everybody else on this call. Luis, so I, I thank you I thank you tremendously for for this. I thank you for having me here. I'm I'm very glad that I that I had the opportunity to join this call, and I'm. Still tempted to join the group as a partner, but I need to clarify some things as you are based all in the US and I'm the only one being based in, in Europe, it might be a bit different. So I So I'm I'm on my way to split with Caterpillar at the moment. Um and I'm pretty much decided not to apply for a different job in another company, but grow my own consulting business, uh, which I 
was not having before. So when I was a consultant, I was only a managing director in a boutique consulting firm, which was not owned by myself. So now I'm planning to grow my own business. So that is helping me a lot that we can discuss those topics because this is the way I need to think through my own business right now after being six years in an MBB role inside Caterpillar. So thank you very much for this opportunity. I appreciate it very much. Luis, comments? Well, the, the first comment that, that, that I have is that I'm truly looking forward to going through that recording a couple of times. Uh, there are so many insights, so valuable insights, that, that it was just a humbling experience holder. Thank you for that. The, the second thing, and to me that was an important takeaway, is a, what Steve is, one of the points that, that Steve summarized from Holger's points, which, which says that, you know what, at the end of the day, this is all about psychology and our mindset and our approach to value-based pricing. We need to believe that we can do it and, 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 and operate that way, right? But it, it starts with us individually. So I took that let, to heart. Let's, uh, let's, let's, talk, uh, let's uh, take it from the clinical basis of psychology mm -hmm. to the personal basis of self-esteem. Yes. That is what it takes. And that mm -hmm. is... Yes, for sure, psychologically, so I'm, I'm not wanting to correct you, Steve, here. My only point is it's, uh, it's up to us, and it's, it's a personal thing, and it's not some clinical stuff you need to work with some psychologist about. Uh, it's it's <laughs> all up to us, and it's standing in the mirror, it's a question of self, uh, and looking in the mirror and selling it to yourself, it's a question of your own self-esteem, and that is what you need to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, the the second and last point, or the third and last point, is uh, is this. Uh, to me, it was also uh, revealing when you said that you know what we need to approach all single customer. I mean, every single opportunity as a value-based opportunity, right? And that implies a strategically that implies trade-offs, which means you know what I will not work with customers that do not feel or cannot work with this scheme, right? I think that uh, we were first starting. Sometimes the temptation is big to stick to those customers that provide revenue with as a priority, right? But at the end of the day, we, we, we might need to make that call and say, you know what? If this is not going to turn into something that, 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 that turns into a value-based approach, we should consider not working with XYZ customer or opportunity that comes along. Uh, and we can be as flexible as we want. It's just at a high level. So those were the two things that I took away from, from that, that that were important to me. So thank you again, Holder. More than welcome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I, I really, ask, I mean, really appreciate it. Graven, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, all the work that you guys have put into this, you know, Luis and, and Audi, I mean, the whole group, right, so far, and, uh, and Holder for, uh, for sharing his, his insights. Um, so, Holger, you know, I, I have learned from you in the past, and I learned a lot from you today. So, thank you for that. It's, uh, it's great to see you again. And, and you look younger since you left CAD, I have to say that. Uh, <laughs> it, it seems to be a, a pattern because it happened, you know, something happened to Audi. 
Um, so anyway, um, I just want to tell you, thank you because I think with the conversation today, you you completely shifted my my paradigm about pricing. Uh, my my understanding was completely different before this conversation. So it, it was not just a, a small change; it was a complete a complete uh, transformation of how I see pricing now for consulting services. So I appreciate that time and uh, and the input. You're welcome, Graven, and I can say likewise. I learned a lot of you as well, and I'm looking forward to learn of you ongoing. And again, today you teach me, or you told me, um, you can sit and shut up and just take <laughs> notes and learn if you if you can't provide or don't want to provide anything here. That's perfect for me. Uh, I'm more on the other side. I can't I can't sit still in a meeting for 90 minutes. That's that's a big <laughs> challenge for me, but I'm working hard. <laughs> uh, don't get used to it. That's the only thing I have to say. Don't get used to me in silence, though. <laughs> well, I, I want to land on one thing. Um, I appreciate Alan Weiss's philosophies and perspective, and uh, many of you may have. Uh, purchased this book in the recent past. Yes, I see yours, Luis Antion. I see yours, Holger. <laughs> I, I think this I would be this would be prescribed or mandatory reading for this group to help us continue to deepen our alignment and our understanding of where Holger opened the door for us to consider. But I think that that material is going to to help us achieve what we had envisioned when we started this journey. So I, I encourage you to go out and find it. I encourage you to get into it and read it. And as as this group continues to meet, uh, I, I think we will continue to learn and be more comfortable in it. Holger, what are you sharing with us? For those who are um, <clears throat> not coming out of consulting business, but having only worked inside companies, the consulting Bible is maybe a good summary of Growing consulting businesses, or to to get a get a more high level understanding, and to see where we where the group needs to deep dive more. I think that's a thank fantastic you, suggestion. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, with that, if there's nothing else, we'll wrap this thing up and uh, shut it down. I'll send the recording out to everyone, not just this group, but uh, the entire partnership, and we'll we'll see where this journey takes us. Uh, appreciate everybody's time. Thank you very Thank much. You. Have a great day, Zoe. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, millions. Really appreciate it. Very good. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Take care. Bye.